Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to episode 118, How Belinda Huijin Tang Writes. As a debut novelist and recent 2021 grad of the Iowa Workshop MFA program, you can just imagine what Belinda and I got into in this episode. We talk all about what it's like to publish your first book, what's been surprising to her, what has been great, maybe not so great, some thoughts on who should and shouldn't attend an MFA program. I know that is a hot topic of discussion quite a bit and so much more. I want to take a very quick second, say thank you to Belinda for her time, and let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right into this episode with Belinda Weijin Tan. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Brian, and Today's guest is Belinda Huijin Tang. Belinda is a 2021 graduate of the famous, world-famous Iowa Writers Workshop, where she was a Truman Capote Fellow and a recipient of the Mishner Copernicus Fellowship. She holds a BA from Stanford University and a, was a 2019 Work-Study Fellow at the Middlebury Breadloaf Writers Conference, another storied Writers Institute. Her debut novel, A Map for the Missing, was just published a couple weeks ago on August 9th, 2022, here in the United States. Belinda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I'm, I'm thrilled to talk to you. Um, lots of topics of, of interest, but here's where I want to start. Um, I always like to ask debut novelists when, when I have them on the show, uh, how's it going? You're two, two-ish weeks out, maybe almost three now. Um, how has it been publishing this first novel? Uh, what has surprised you? What has not surprised you? What has been great? What has sucked? What's been your overall impression here? <laughs> I like that you include what has sucked. <laughs> yeah. That tells me you've talked to a lot of debut novelists. Um, it's a, It's been an interesting experience. I think the one of publishing, uh, like publishing a novel for the first time, it feels like um, quite dissonant to me in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. Um, as you probably know, and your listeners know, like the publishing process is um, so long, like from the time that a book is sold to the time that a book comes out, there's, I think for me, it was a little over a year and a half. Um, and during that time, like, I felt like I just had so much time to, you know, develop all these anxieties around the process and then um, publishing the novel, it's become such like it, it occupies such an outsized psychic space. Um, and then it, when the book actually comes out, it's like it's one day. Um, and then, you know, your life is kind of the same. <laughs> so it's it's funny to have like such an anticipation and such a built up and then, um, you know, have things feel like in many ways they haven't changed. So I think that that's a big part of the book, um, the book publishing process. But I would say that two things that have been 
um, unexpected and unexpectedly good is number one, doing events um, and doing podcasts. Like I'd been pretty nervous about having to do publicity and having to speak about the book. Um, and actually I find that um, podcasts and talking to people about the book and about my writing process is unexpectedly clarifying. Um, mm. And then doing events and talking to people who have read the book is really, um, it, it just feels really fulfilling actually and gratifying in a way that I am surprised to feel like I constantly, um, last night I did an event and I felt quite emotional. I'm surprised to feel that actually after doing um, quite a few um, and then the other thing that I would say is like, I already feel my skin becoming thicker through this process, which I think feels good. It feels good yeah. and necessary as someone who's hoping to write for the rest of my life and to have a career out of this. Um, because, you know, I've always considered myself a sensitive person as many writers are, but I, and so because of that, it was uh, like quite afraid of what it would feel like getting reviews and, um, just having so many strangers comment on my work through a platform like Goodreads or Amazon mm -hmm. reviews. Um, and I'm surprised somehow that, um, um, I don't know, the process has of seeing a book published in the world of seeing the book and having my name on it has instilled in me a kind of confidence that allows me um, to see other people's opinions of my work uh, more subjectively than I would have expected I'd be able to at this point in the process. Interesting. What, what do you attribute? I mean, if that was unexpected, as you look back now, what do you attribute that to? Because I think that's something um, it's really important for writers. If you want to put your work out there to be published, to be independently published to your reading group, to your mother, which is probably the worst place to give a book to, or your spouse, which is definitely actually worse than your mother's, your spouse. I can say that. I can say that with a hundred percent certainty. Um, what do you attribute that thick skinness? Cause I think there's probably a lot of listeners who hear you say that and they think like, boy, I'd like to have a little thicker skin. Yeah. And I still feel that way. Like I still feel like I'd like for my skin to be <laughs> thicker. Um, but it feels like it's a, it's a process that is, is happening slowly to me. Um, but I think, you know, um, I think trying to write and trying to publish work is something that really requires so much courage. Like, I really believe that I do. I think it's so hard to expose yourself to so much um, commentary on your work, to expose something very personal to the world and to believe it's worth doing. And I think when you go through the process of engaging in that act, in that act of um, self-belief over a long period of time, um, you gradually are able to see your work for um, more of what it is as a reflection of you and what you've done. And I think you're gradually able um, to set it further away from other people's opinions of it. Like it feels like a confidence and a thick skin that is made through repetitive action um, and the kind of repetitive action and um, repetitive self-belief that is necessary to be a, a working writer. Yeah. 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 It's, it's an interesting contradiction in a way because, um, you know, to have a book or project that has life and soul, oftentimes you have to leave a piece of yourself in there. And oftentimes, unfortunately, it's the intimate pieces of ourselves that we maybe don't necessarily want to air out. And so there's a vulnerability in there um, to make the book good. But in doing that, you then expose yourself 
to all of the readers who you may or may not ever be able to connect with. And so it's this weird, like, um, I don't want to say demand. That's probably too strong of a world, but but certainly um, for some, the, a demand that the life asks, which is like t- the vulnerability to tell a story that you almost wish nobody knew but you. It's like you want to write it and everyone love it, but not read it and critique it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because I meet writers who I feel like, um, you know, don't have experience that vulnerability on the page or maybe aren't mm-hmm. writing so close to themselves, or at least that's what they say. Um, and I still love their work, you know, and so I, I, I do think there's so many models of how to be on a writer and how much of yourself makes it to the page. Um, and I think I'm still figuring that out for myself, but at least this first book I wrote, it was so personal. Um, it, it like reflected so much of my mm-hmm. family's history, my, me and like things I was thinking about at the time. Um, and it's, yeah, it feels inevitable at that point that, um, comments like feel especially personal, but when I think of what the opposite case would be, which is like, I don't care because I haven't put any of myself into it. That seems like a worse reality. Like it seems like Mm. a worse reality to, um, you know, not care, um, to not feel like something is at stake. Why would I want to spend any of my time, my life doing that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's only a few choices you get, right? Like you either don't write, you write something that doesn't have yourself in a lot in it, or you write something that does. And I don't even think, I mean, like, this isn't a show where we make some, some statement that there's one right way to do this. So it's like, um, mm-hmm. it certainly could be that, you know, some types of fiction are, um, you know, books that don't require a lot of yourself. They're fun reads, they're entertaining, they're awesome, they're the action movies or whatever, and they're, that's great. Um, I think it's important maybe to, to know to ask the question, how much of yourself do you even, do, do you want to put into a project? Like, how important is that to you? as a writer and there's not a right answer, but I suppose it's important to know your own answer to that. Is that fair? Do you think? I have interesting thoughts on that. I guess when I look at my own process for writing this book, and I'm sure um, some debut novelists feel like this and some had a much better plan. Like I had no way to think through these questions. Mm. And I think, um, you know, it, like that's a reflection of me being a younger writer. And, um, with this book, it was just, you know, I was like, I want to challenge myself to see if I can write a novel and it ended up being published. And so when it comes to questions, like how much of myself is on the page, I didn't approach it so intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that writing the book was a process of learning about that. Um, and even now going through publicities feels like a continuous process of learning about that still when, you know, people say certain things to me and I can feel like, oh, that doesn't feel comfortable. And like, I wouldn't do that again. Um, so I, I think I, I feel like the question of how much you put, how much you're willing to put of yourself on the page is one that it would be really excellent to know the answer to, but in practice, it feels like one of those things that um, often you don't have a knowing around until mm. you kind of go through it and go through the process because it is such a singular experience. Um, and I wouldn't expect most people to know how they would react to many parts of it. Yeah, it's a good call out. It's a good call out. One of the things, um, one of the things I've heard from a lot of debut novelists is 
uh, all of a sudden the realization that there's a deadline approaching for you um, and the pressure that that brings with it. And all of a sudden the idea that like this work is done, it's great, it's in the world. And then there's this, oh shit, now there's another one I'm supposed to be producing and it's got a time frame, and I've got to get it done. And the pressure that comes with that. Uh, have you experienced that yourself? I am experiencing that <clears throat> a little bit. Yeah. It, it's interesting because once again, with the writing the debut novel, like it just feels like in a way it's freeing because you don't know if it's possible. Hmm. Um, and so everything feels like an experiment. You can give up at any time. Um, and of course that wouldn't feel good, but it, you always feel like you have like a backdoor out of doing it. Um, and then I'm like working on a second book right now, which has proved to be much harder. Um, the fact that I've done, done it before, like I've written a book, I think it, it just makes me, it makes it more pressured in a way, because I know like, I don't have certain excuses. Like I can't use certain outs anymore. Cause I know I can do this. <laughs> Um, and I would say also like going through publishing also creates like an entirely new set of voices in your mind, um, that I try to keep out, but it's, it's very difficult. Um, and that has changed writing the second book, um, considerably. Okay. So let's dig into that. When you say, um, voices out of your mind, you mean like this idea of like, is this going to sell? Is this going to appeal to an audience? Like what, what voices specifically do you mean? Like one thing I did not think about at all before um, writing this book and like having this book come out is like the idea of critical feedback, like not in the sense of, um, you know, people having critical things to say, but in the sense of like critical institution, like the New York times or like mm. whatever, um, people reading your work and, um, and having, you know, a critical lens upon it, um, which is an immense gift to be bestowed on your work, to have it viewed through a lens like that and to have it read so carefully. Um, and, uh, at the same time that it's an immense gift, it also, it is making me already think about this next book in terms of frameworks mm -hmm. of like theoretical frameworks that, um, I didn't really have when I wrote a map for the missing, when I started the book, you know, I had like a time period I wanted to write about. I had characters that I was interested in. Um, but it wasn't really until like the end of the book that I sat down the end of drafting, I should say that I sat down and I thought, okay, like what themes are this book about? Like, you know, what's going on, um, that I want people to talk about and take away from this. And now I have that consideration in my mind as I'm writing. Mm. Theme has been something that has come up, I mean, a lot, uh, both in our writing community as well as on the show. Um, it's just, it's a topic that for like a year, I, I honestly think I did the podcast for a year and it never came up once. And then for whatever reason, maybe because I'm more interested in it and like, you know, the ener my energy is just pulling theme as a topic of discussion. Maybe I'm hearing it more, who knows? Um but I'm always interested in theme because it seems like it's one of the more like nebulous parts of this process, it, nebulous parts of a nebulous process to begin with. Uh, it's kind of magical in a way, like it's not mechanical, like a plot can feel it has like a mysticism to it. And so uh, for your first book here, A Map for the Missing, like how, how did you come up with theme? What was your process of being like, OK, this is this is what I want this book to be about? Or did you? 
come up with that? I think on the first draft, um, I was so concerned about writing characters and writing the story that it wasn't um, very obviously in my mind. And of course, I'd had things that I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about um, the idea of returning home, I was thinking about longing for places that don't exist. And I wouldn't have started writing the book without thinking about those things um, and having questions that I wanted to write answers towards or write characters around or a story around. Um, but when I got into the nitty gritty of writing every day, I was much more concerned about, you know, how am I moving the story along? Mm -hmm. Um, how is this scene unfolding? What am I discovering about the characters or what are the characters discovering about themselves? Um, and then it wasn't really until finishing a first draft of the book and going back and reading it that I once again returned to the questions that had started the project. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, um, what was nice about that approach or what felt kind of satisfying, um, and validating to me is like, I could see, you know, by starting with these questions and letting the characters live their lives on the page, I could see at the end of the process that there had been ways that they were naturally engaging in questions, mm. um, engaging with the questions I'd started out with, um, that they were thinking about the answers to them themselves. And that had happened without um, me intentionally sitting and saying, okay, you know, this chapter, I'm going to put them in um, this setting because I think this is a place where they'll think about this question, right? Um, and that seemed to me a place where I could tell through the convergence of like theme and craft um, that there were, um, you know, ways that the book had come and the characters in the book had come to take on their own life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's always so interesting to hear that process because it really is so, it really is so different. It feels like for everyone. Um, if someone, so, so if someone, you know, is listening to the show and they're like, I can, I can feel and recognize some of the same things you just said. Like I can see it in my own life. Maybe I I'm, didn't set out with a specific theme and I'm trying to unpack it from a work that's either complete or nearly complete. Um, what are like did you go through like activities like like what are some of the ways that you like kind of intentionally narrowed in i should say on a theme like like decided like okay this is what i'm going to orient it around um did you read like books like was was there any any resources that might be helpful um no, I didn't read books. I was spectacularly like unplanned and <laughs> novice mind and knew nothing. It felt like um, I just, you know, did what felt right at the time and yeah. um, kind of like felt my way through it and was lucky around it. I, I would say like a few things that I've, that are specific that I did um, that aren't totally around theme, but are around revision more broadly um, one was like take long breaks on the work after finishing a draft and then mm. trying to go back and reread it like a reader. Um, I think most writers are excellent readers. And um, if you allow yourself the space to reset your mind as a reader of your work rather than as the writer of it, I think most writers should trust themselves that they'll be able to see where, where themes are falling um, in the book and um, what feels important and what to write towards. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is that um, I did something after my first draft 
um, and I hope this can be very practical advice is I um, created a set of flashcards and one was for every chapter. Um, and on each chapter's flashcard, I wrote down in color coded um, marker, like, you know, what characters appeared, what happened, um, what questions the characters are engaging with, like mm -hmm. what interior questions, in addition to the external questions um, of the plot. And through doing that exercise, I then later on, like put them up in a, on a wall in order. Um, and through doing that exercise, you know, visually some things like just began to jump out, like, mm. you know, the characters are always considering this question. That is something I can continue to write towards. And then on the other hand, some things felt like complete outliers and maybe that they didn't belong in this book. Mm. I feel like the note card is the, the friend of the novelist, um, for sure. The, the note card and the novelist go perfectly together. Um, Let's change gears just kind of with our last like cluster of questions here. Uh, back to a topic we haven't, I haven't brought up in a long time, but is a favorite of the writing community, which is uh, to MFA or not MFA. Um, and I feel like this topic comes up a lot. Um, I feel like I had like a quarter of the NYU faculty, which is I got my MFA when I first started the show. Um, and so let's talk about your experience. Like in your experience, um, who, who are the people where an MFA might be a really good fit for them? And who are some of the writers that maybe it's not something for them to consider? I think the biggest gift, I would say the, the two biggest things I got from my MFA were, um, number one, and this is like, I think a lot of, um, a lot like MFA programs would like, directly say that this is the point of the program, which is like time to write. Um, and I think if you, you know, have worked a job already um, and like really feel the struggle of trying to balance writing with your, your day job and mm -hmm. not finding time or emotional space to do that. And MFA um, is incredibly useful. Um, I was working for a little bit beforehand and I could feel like the pressure of time um, and feel like a sense of, I want to do so much more work than I'm able to do. And I think an MFA um, is incredibly useful for that. I will say like anecdotally, there were a few people in my MFA who had come straight from undergrad. Um, and anecdotally, once again, I think that they were the people who, um, you know, seemed to like struggle a little bit more in adjusting to the pace or, mm. um, take some more time to figure out, you know, what am I doing here? Because in a way it's like, you have to suffer and know what the real world is like in order <laughs> you to, to suffer enough to be. what the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in order to be like, Hey, I'm actually getting a pretty good deal here to, yeah, you know, right, get my right. little small stipend and just have time to write. Cause if you just come from undergrad, like your life was amazing kind right. of probably, you know, unless you were working a lot, which obviously some people do, but many of the undergrads I went to people who had come straight out, you know, didn't have that experience. And so, um, yeah, just, I, I do think it's, it is harder for those people to, um, get a lot of value out mm -hmm. of the MFA. Um, and then the second thing I would say that, um, feels really special to me and I'm only like a year out of my MFA, um, is that, you know, I've like developed a sense of myself as a writer. Hmm. Um, and that's like a much um, more intangible thing 
But I think there is a way that through participating in a community of writers, of having your professors and um, fellow classmates all treat you as someone who's working on craft, just the way that um, they are, that you're tackling questions alongside them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I became to believe in myself as a writer. And um, when I think back to how unsure I was before I started my MFA, um, and like, I didn't really, I started my MFA thinking like, I don't know if I'm going to be a writer. This is just an experiment. Right. Um, and I left understanding that this is who I am and mm. believing that I, I was that person. Um, and I think having the, you know, contained space of an MFA over like such a, um, a, a, a period of time where that is your life, like you're living, breathing, writing all the time it infuses you with a sense of self-belief that for me as a writer was really important. Some people are born with that kind of self-confidence and they may not need it. Um, But for me, it was like instrumental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can echo a lot of those points. Um, You know, it's been a topic that's come up a lot because I feel like there's a lot of writers who are looking for I don't want to say, I mean, like, I don't want this to sound mean, but it's the only word that kind of comes up in or the phrase, but kind of like the the magic pill, like the, the the thing that like, maybe there's some hidden knowledge in the MFA that you only learn in an MFA. And that info is nowhere else, but in like these really high-end graduate programs, like Iowa is the, the story, like, you know, the most oldest uh, first MFA program in the country. Uh, and most distinguished faculty. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, fantastic program. And um, one of the things I always tell, you know, folks is they're like, should I go? Should I not go? It's like, just know that there, there's nothing like from a craft perspective, you'll hear it different ways and you'll hear it from people who are world-class at doing it. Like the faculty that are just, you know, unbelievable, but um, the info itself is out there. Like there, there is no secret information to this writing game. Like there's no one who has like the keys and behind the vault is like the good stuff. Um, it's all out there. there. There's, there's so much great craft material out there. Um, and so if you, you want to do an MFA just for craft, um, you know, the, you, it's probably going to be similar in a lot of ways uh, to, to what you've heard already, which is, which was interesting for me. I was like, huh. Interesting. They're just better at it than I am. <laughs> but wow, this is really interesting. Um, was that was that the same for you, or was that was that like a different experience? I would agree with that. I think I did learn invaluable craft lessons, um, of course. But I, I agree completely that you know that information is out there. There's so many like such great resources and so much um, publicly available material. Um, and it doesn't seem like that was the part I couldn't have gotten anywhere else if I hadn't done mm-hmm. the MFA. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if, you know, people go into the MFA thinking I'm going to get that magic pill or another version of the magic pills, like I'm going to leave with a published book or like right. a book being able to, you know, go out and um, be sold. I think um, like those are, are two things that are not like on off switches that happen when you go to a graduate Mm -hmm. program in writing. Um, For me, it felt much more like this is two years of your life where you're experimenting with being a writer. 
Um, and, you know, if you continue to write, this is two years in, in a very long life writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the way that I wouldn't expect any two random years to change my life, um, but rather I would see them as part of a process. That is yeah. how I see my MFA. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I concur on the, on the MFA. Uh, it is. <laughs> I'm glad we're in agreement. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I concur. I, I think I've probably dissuaded more people that I've, than I've persuaded, um, on the whole MFA route, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, because, because I just think it's just not, it's not, if you are a writer out there and, uh, you are not interested in becoming an educator, like a higher ed educator, um, or, you know, you are, um, you know, looking for the easy pill, it's probably not a good fit, right? Like, it's just like that. There's just a reality there. A lot of what people tell me they want to do it for is just like, eh. anyways, um, it is time now uh, for me to transition us to the final question. So as a quick setup, and I do this, I do this preamble. I, I kind of wonder if I should stop doing because I do it for every episode, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, I ask these questions for two reasons. Reason number one is I like the answers and it's my show. And so I get to ask whatever questions I want. Second reason is the whole point of the show, right? The thesis of how writers write is that um, the before and after moment for any writer is learning their process for putting words on the page. And everything in the writing life opens up when that happens. And everything before that point, if you're struggling to write and you can't get in the right groove, don't have the right momentum, whatever it might be, is torturous. And so the goal here is just to illuminate there's not one right way. There's not one correct way to write. There is your way. And as a writer, it's your responsibility to find it. And my hope is when you hear these answers, you realize there's no two authors that are the same. Of all the people I've asked these questions to, no one's given the same answer. And um, I hope that reinforces that idea and hopefully it makes everybody laugh and smile a little bit. So with that preamble finished, let's do the first question, which is, what do you view is your role as a storyteller? I see my, my job as to, to witness the world and to look at it with more closeness, specificity, and criticality than the normal speed of life allows. Hmm. I have to reflect on that. I like that answer. Um, question number two, what is the one word that best describes you? I would say I'm trying. <laughs> See, this is the first time I've heard this that that word uh, as I've asked that, and that's such a good writing word. I'm trying. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, okay, question number three. If you could pick a spirit book. So this is a book that um, if you died and you were able to come back reincarnated as a book for all time, uh, what book would it be? I choose housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson. Although now that I hear that phrasing of the question, I'm like, that's kind of a sad book to live <laughs> at. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll have to think of another joyful one later. Yeah. Classic Iowa workshop faculty, right? Um, yes. Yes. She yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, side note. One of the best interviews ever that I've ever seen in my entire life was when Barack Obama interviewed Marilyn Robinson, not the other way around. Um, it was like perfection. Like I, I could watch that died and been like, I'm good. Uh, it was amazing. Anyways, uh, She's next question. Me. Yeah. Did you, did, was she part like active faculty at Iowa? Like I know sometimes the big names they're on the roster, but never show up. 
She was emeritus, but because I was there during the pandemic, she taught classes on Zoom and mm. she taught this class on the Old Testament that I actually got to TA because oh my gosh. Uh, they just knew I was like such a fangirl of hers. And mm. Sam James, like, okay, would you like to TA this class? Um, and it was amazing. She's just so insightful, like, has encyclopedic knowledge. And yeah, is one of the highlights of my time there. Yeah, that's another die happy moment. My goodness. Yeah. Old Testament taught by Marilyn Robinson. Sign me up. Um, sign me up. Okay, next question. Is there a specific tool? Can be anything at all, pencil, software, chair, software, coffee, tea, anything uh, that you absolutely must have to write? I need a chair in which I feel enclosed. Like right now you're on Zoom so you can see I'm in a chair with no sides. And I couldn't write in this because I don't feel a sense of safety in my body. Mm. You need like the cocoon? to go around you? Yeah. You just like arms, um, even are very helpful to me. I totally get that. Like, as you're saying that, like I can totally, uh, I, I can relate to that myself sit needing like a, for whatever reason. Interesting. I've never heard that one either. This is great. Okay. Next question. How do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life? That's something I'm still, as I said, trying to figure out. Um, I think that's something that's like very much in process for me right now. It feels like building um, a strong life outside of writing, like not feeling like my entire life is defined by my writing, Mm -hmm. um, which probably feels like not a great thing to say on a podcast (laughs) about writing. Um, But yeah, like a feeling, you know, that there are things in my life that have meaning outside of writing. Hmm. Okay. Last question for you. If you could give one piece of advice for new writers out there, what would it be? I hope that this is in keeping with the theme of the podcast, but something I'm practicing for myself right now is just not being rigid with um, writing. I think, um, when I was first starting out, I read so much, like I would read the Paris review interviews and think, okay, today I'm going to do this method that like mm-hmm. Alice Monroe says she writes, I'm going to do this. Um, this is how Zadie Smith says she writes. Like, I love these people. So I'm going to try to write like them. Um, and it, I feel more like now after um, writing for a while, I've lost a lot of time trying to imitate people um, that it just didn't work for me. Um, and so I would, say don't be rigid and um don't be afraid to kind of play around both on the page and with your process Mm. um and that and don't be afraid um to let that change between books or between projects like that having that excitement and that variance seems like part of the joy as to why we do this what a wonderful way to wrap up this interview um belinda thank you so much for your time and and your insight uh, sharing your journey with me. I so deeply appreciate it. Before we break here, where can people find you out on the internet? Uh, so my website is my name. It's belindahuijintong.com. I'm at Twitter at, at Belinda. I'm the original wow, Belinda the OG, OG Belinda. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on Instagram as well with my okay. full name. So you can find me any of those ways. Yeah. Awesome. 
Belinda, thank you again. Um, I so deeply appreciate it. And uh, it was so great to get to know you and hear about your work and, you know, just dance around all these topics and um, explore them with you. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks. Thank you again to Belinda for her time. Uh, if you haven't yet, please check us out on happywriter.co where you can join our writing membership for free. Come hang out with us. Enjoy a writing community. Also, leave us a rating review on iTunes if you can. It means the world to me. Lastly, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.